This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading is taken from the middle section of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it introduces us to the mysterious figure of the suffering servant. This figure will be presented throughout 49 and the following chapters up to 53. Who is this figure? Well, the scholars have debated for centuries about that. At times it seems to be Israel itself, Israel as a people, as though the servant is a personification of Israel. Other times it seems to be a particular person, maybe a particular figure who sums up Israel. Well, listen now in our reading from chapter 49, as the servant himself speaks. The Lord called me before I was born. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. And the Lord said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I glorify. Well, there's a lot packed into that, isn't there? The Lord called me before I was born. Typical mark there of the prophets, isn't it? How often the prophets, think of Jeremiah, said, you know, be, the Lord said to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Called. The great heroes of Israel don't set their own agenda, do they? Contrast them here to the heroes of ancient civilization who set their agenda, followed their path of virtue and excellence. But not the great Israelite heroes, no, no. They're always placed in the passive voice. The Lord called me before I was born. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Again, prophetic speech there, isn't it? The prophet speaks in this sharp and dangerous and cutting way. That's the word of God. And the Lord said to me, you're my servant in whom I glorify. You see, the whole identity of Israel, the whole identity of this servant is summed up in the Lord. You see how it's a displaced kind of identity. The servant isn't resting in himself, but saying, I'm valuable only in the measure that I'm the servant of the Lord. What's his mission? Well, listen as the reading goes on. To bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. This figure, the suffering servant, will first of all gather the scattered nation. Friends, I can't stress this enough, how central this theme is in the Old Testament. Ezekiel, for example, speaks of Israel scattered on the hillside like lost sheep. Two great exiles took place in Israelite history. The Assyrians carried away many of the northern tribes. Then a couple of centuries later, the Babylonians carried off 
the Judeans in the South. More to it, sin itself has driven Israel apart. You see, sin's always a scattering power. What the servant's talking about here is the brokenness, the scatteredness, the division of Israel. His job, listen again, to bring Jacob back to him. The him here is the Lord. To bring Israel back together that the nation might be gathered to him. Think of this sort of magnetic power of the suffering servant. He's the one who will knit the nation back together, if I can use a different metaphor. But then this wonderful reminder and exhortation, listen again. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now, everybody, listen. This is one of the great moments in salvation history. This revelation found in this middle section of Isaiah. The moment when Israel realized its deepest purpose. Not merely to serve itself or revel in its uniqueness. Not simply to be a single nation gathered to the Lord, but rather to be a lumen gentium to be a light to the nations, that the whole world might be gathered to Yahweh through the gathering of Israel, if that makes sense. So the first mission is indeed bring this nation back together. Those, those sheep scattered on the hillside, bring them back to the Lord. But then this gathered Israel, by its magnetic power, will gather the nations of the world. So that's the word of this suffering servant in chapter 49 of the prophet Isaiah. See, as long as Israel was, was divided, they didn't have this attractive power. That's the tragedy. It wasn't just a tragedy for them. It was a tragedy for the world. Okay? Now, with all that in mind, listen to St. Paul in our second reading. And you will hear an Israelite from the first century who has fully appropriated the message of Isaiah. Listen now how Paul introduces himself. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. How does Paul introduce himself? In the Israelite manner, not as a Greek or Roman aristocrat, philosopher, setting his own agenda. Not as a modern you know, uh, self-created subject. But Paul introduces himself in the passive voice, called, called, to be an apostle. I said before, I think to you, apostelain in the Greek means to send. He's been called and sent. How? By the will of God. You see how he totally belongs to a higher power, just like the suffering servant of Isaiah. The Lord said to me, you're my servant in whom I'm glorifying. See, your whole being is about the Lord. The same is true of Paul. But now things get even more interesting. Because Paul says, I've been called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. 
Christos Jesus in the Greek, the anointed Jesus, the Messiah Jesus. And Paul has clearly recognized that this Jesus is the one whom Isaiah foresaw. This Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the suffering servant. See, because Paul has taken in the fact that Jesus is the servant of Yahweh who precisely through his suffering has emerged as the king of Israel. There's the gospel, if you want, in a nutshell. Paul says, I preach one thing, Christ and him crucified. He never forgets that Jesus is the suffering servant. But precisely through that suffering, he's emerged as the king of Israel. And therefore what? Therefore what? Go right back to Isaiah. Therefore, the gatherer of his own people, and hence the gatherer of all the tribes of the world. Paul sees that in the dying and rising of Jesus, the great story of Israel has come to its climax. Every promise that God made Israel has found its yes in Christ. And that's because Jesus has emerged as the Lumen Gentium. So that's exactly why Paul does what he does. Because he's become a bearer of that light to the nations. He's become a servant of the servant. See, and friends, this is exactly why Paul established churches. And I want us to spend some time thinking about this. See, we can take the church so for granted, or our parish, or our local church. But think about what Paul was doing when he established a church like the one in Corinth to which he's writing. Who is this church? They are a people who have been sanctified, he says, and called to be holy. Do you see how that's code for the new Israel? Again, who was Israel? It was that particular people called, passive voice, to be holy, to be unique and set apart and distinctive. Why? So they could revel in their own uh, distinctiveness? No, no. That they might become thereby a light to the nations. Kadosh in Hebrew, holy, means set apart. What Paul's done now is he has set apart little communities like the one in Corinth. Ekklesia, right? He calls it a church. Ekkaleo, it means called out from. Little communities called out from the world to be different, distinct, unique. Why? For the sake of the world. You see how the suffering servant of Isaiah and Christ Jesus risen from the dead, same figure. Israel is the bearer of this great message to the world. The churches become the bearer of Christ's message to the world. You know, everyone points out, correctly, that the Corinth of Paul's time was a pretty wild and woolly place, named for its, or, or known for its licentiousness and indifference to the moral law. The Christian church's first responsibility was therefore to be different, to be wholly set apart. Otherwise, it couldn't bear the message to the world. 
Now, I want to go from Isaiah in the 8th century B.C. and Paul in the 1st century A.D. to the present day, to us, because these readings are all about us, aren't they? Who are we, baptized Christians? We are like Paul, apostles, people who've been sent. We don't have a legitimate identity in ourselves. We belong to someone else. We've been branded by our baptism so the whole world knows to whom we belong. See, that's an idea. It's from the ancient idea that, that baptism involves a branding, like the branding of cattle that show whom they belong to. We've been branded by baptism because we belong to Christ. We've been set apart. That's why the churches, everybody, have to be different. They have to look feel, think, act, and react in a manner different than the manner of the world. We should live and move in a distinct way, which is the way of radical love and reliance upon God. And again, go back to Isaiah and to Paul. This has nothing to do with our own self-aggrandizement or reveling in our own moral excellence. It has to do with making ourselves the bearers of the Lumen Gentium. If we're not different, will make no difference in the world. If we look like and sound like and think like and act like everybody else, then we will not mirror to the world Christ crucified and risen from the dead. The suffering servant of Isaiah is the very one that we proclaim, is the very one around whom our lives have meaning and purpose. Friends, with that in mind, we understand who we are. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.